Hello everybody, welcome to Mostly Off Center Revamped. I am Cameron here with Mike Yancey. Hello. Uh, we're in the currently in the basement of my house because that's where we've got locations for so you'll hear some ominous ominous noises from other places such as my daughters who have grown a lot louder in the years <laughs> since we started this. Uh, first off, we're going to just kind of jump right in. Uh, Mike and I are here. We're going to try and bring you a steady podcast of things to discuss today. Uh, we're going to talk about adaptations um, and from book to film, from TV to film or book to TV, whatever it is, whatever kind of adaptation it is. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about it, pros, cons, things that forthcoming that are getting adapted into, into something, whether it can actually work. Um, what we were discussing about before this is a forthcoming adaptation of um, supposedly supposedly forthcoming, forthcoming hopefully hopefully because it would be great is uh, Masters of the Universe yes the old 1980s toy line that mm -hmm. became a cartoon that for some reason or another was turned into a 1980 <laughs> something movie with Dolph Lundgren who for all intents and purposes was a pretty good physical repre representation yeah. of E-Man. Uh, the film itself, not so much a representation. Uh, no, no, <laughs> of uh, of the cartoon or the toys. No, not at all. I, I actually remember seeing that in the theater. My friend Brett and I were dropped off at the theater by my mom, and we went to go see it. And I sat there in the theater, and as a little kid, I literally thought to myself, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> I mean, my, my friend, I think, summed it up the best when we saw, I guess, I didn't know this at the time, but they were supposed to be robots, Skeletor's, you know, minions, but he, he literally said to himself, when did Skeletor get stormtroopers? <laughs> it's kind of true, though, because in the cartoon, he just had his minions that all yeah. had names. Yeah. That had all, and they were all the fun names, you know, like, like Merman and... <laughs> Uh, uh, man, not many fe faces. That was a good guy, but yeah. Triclops, uh, Triclops, oh, um, Trapjaw. Pretty much anything yeah. that would describe how they looked was their name. Exactly. I mean, Skeletor, skeleton face, yeah. muscle-bound body. Exactly. No real reason, but and a He-Man, just like a perfect Aryan. Blonde-haired, exactly. muscle-bound, with the greatest tan you've ever seen. It, amazingly, because yeah. you I mean, didn't see that much sun hitting you is going to have an effect, man. <laughs> but that's the real power of Grayskull, exactly. is his ability to tan without any melanoma. <laughs> Which is a great, great superpower to get from a sword. Well, yeah, you know, because you know he's so half naked anyway. So of course he's gonna, well, yeah. gonna have that tan. I, yeah, With a but, great loin cloth. Exactly. Everyone should have that. Yeah. Maybe that helps you tan. Well, you feel yeah. more manly, so therefore you tan better. Exactly. Secret. Right there. We yeah. uncovered it. <laughs> <laughs> but moving into it, um, that it was an odd it was an odd film. Well like, to re yeah. to recap it, it starts off in Eternia. Yep. With He-Man trying to fight off the forces of Skeletor. Well, he's already lost. Yeah, they—that's true. They did. They already lost. Skeletor took the castle. Yep. The, the, what is her name? The sorceress. sorceress? Yep. Yeah, the sorceress yep. is there. She's—I can't think of her name, but she was a nurse on Saint Elsewhere. Really? Uh, her last name is Pickles, I think. 
That's and, interesting. Um, uh, I, give us a rundown, Mike. Run it, well, run so it through. They, they've already lost Castle Grayskull. And it's, of course, uh, Skeletor is played by the great Frank Langella in one oh, of he his so all-time classic roles. And it is uh, a role that he loves to this day. And obviously he's relishing this performance. And it is. It's a great performance. He is by far the best part of that film. And so he, he strides onto the set. You know, he's just... Uh, pouring out all of these great Shakespearean lines, and you know, and he's just having the time of his life. <laughs> and so, uh, He Man, of course, is now playing defense. He's the resistance, and the the filmmakers have actually admitted that they they kind of borrow heavily, i.e., rip off Star Wars at this point. Isn't that an amazing term, borrow? Well, in, yeah. in any entertainment faction, <laughs> if the term used is borrow. It's blatant ripoff. Ripoff, as in, you know. And her name is Christina Pickles. Christina Pickles. So is the sorceress of Castle Grayskull. Yes. So now she's captured. It's all gone to crap. And this is the first 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. This is all taking place in the first 10. It's a 90-minute movie. Yeah. And it's taking place in the first 10 to 15 minutes. So, and, you know, in a different movie... This would be fantastic. Yeah, because, two-hour movie of just this. Yeah, you know, you're because you're now as a little kid, you're thinking, "Oh, crap!" <laughs> because Skeletor's won, He-Man's lost. This is all gone to crap. But in this movie, it's you're just thinking, "The hell, <laughs> <laughs> what the freak is going on?" Because when did Ske- like my friend said, "When did Skeletor get stormtroopers?" Exactly, because he does. What, he really what gets the... stormtroopers. They're painted black. Yeah, but they're stormtroopers, and it's, it's all because um, He Man can't do violence. Yeah, He Man cannot kill people. He can't do anything that's not He Man, which is and not heroic. It's funny because he uses a sword yeah. in the cartoon yeah, in the toys. Yeah. He always has yeah, a sword, yeah. but in the movies, everyone has a blaster. Oh yeah, like. Swords are pointless, yeah. but they have blasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Eh, that's a side note for that one. That would, yeah. th- This is what we call bad adaptation, <laughs> which became a classically bad oh, movie, yeah. but it's utterly watchable. Oh, yeah. But see, as we said, the first 15, 20 minutes is this. Yeah. But then cut to that, Mr. Billy Barty. Oh, yeah. Pre- yeah. Preeminent dwarf actor. I mean, fantastic. If you, if you need a, a little imp, elf, a little dwarf guy. kind of person, you always want to go to Billy Barty because his voice was perfect. That his guy acting was amazing. Was a fantastic actor. Found also in Willow. Oh yeah. Uh, amongst other actors like Warwick Davis and yep. quite a few, but he was the sorcerer, the lead village sorcerer yeah. of the. Uh, of the the, I want to call it the Peck Village, but it's not what it is. They call them Pecks. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible slur in the movie. Well, but yeah. uh, uh, but he plays Gwildor. Yeah. In in this movie. In this movie. And I have to say that they originally wanted that role to be Orko. In that makes sense. So they wanted to be Orko. but they couldn't afford the budget to have a little floating person. <laughs> And that, that makes sense, because they had a limited budget. It, yeah. you know, this is the 80s, so they don't have CGI, that kind of stuff. That That's all very, very early generation stuff. You know, Tron. You know, mm-hmm. They can't do that. 
So it, it makes sense they couldn't have Orko, so they go for this Gwildor character. And that's kind of my first real indication that... Because they introduced this completely different person. You've yeah. never seen this guy on the cartoons. You've never seen anybody like him. And I'm, look, I'm thinking, wait, what? <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> this... What? What happened? And he's got this this MacGuffin, the you know the cosmic key that plays music, and that's the the whole Which thing. Which, in true '80s fashion, is '80s synth music. Oh yeah, it's yeah, not like course. some grand ethereal songs or something. Yeah. It's '80s synth. Yeah, and it totally that's all it is. Yeah, whatever. And so you know, He Man and Man at Arms and Tila meet the, with this guy, and you know, the, we get the sense of where the plot's going to go from here. And so now I'm thinking, as a little kid, I'm thinking, okay, I, I can kind of get behind this, but it's a blatant ripoff of Star Wars, but we're on board. Yeah, okay, whatever. so far. And so now Wildor's getting attacked. He bunches some, plays some, some music. Keys. They go through this wormhole, and then they get dropped on where Earth. Planet Earth. And, 1980s planet and Earth. As a little kid, I'm thinking, oh, sweet! They're going to Earth! Be yeah! <laughs> because I would love to hang out with He-Man. As an adult, I look back and I think, that is so damn that stupid. <laughs> oh my god. What crap. a cheap way to save oh, a buck for the yeah, movie. And that's, that's the whole dang reason, because if they stayed on Eternity, it would raise their budget. And they they go know. to Earth, and bam. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah. Ugh. Well, to suffice it to say, the plot from there is utterly ridiculous. Oh. We're, we're introduced to a young Courtney Cox as oh, a yeah. female lead. I don't even remember the male It's rocker. Tom Paris. It's Tom Paris from freaking Voyager, man. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. So all these great... And then and, and the best amazing. part now, as I look back, is they hang out with the freaking principal... From, from Back, Back to, to the, the Future. future. And, and not only that, he becomes a warrior guy yeah, on his turnia. Exactly. By the, the end of the film. You see like, him go freaking wild with a shotgun. Now, I have to say, I, I'm watching this movie, and, and this is one of my major pet peeves. So, I have to step back. So, Skeletor realizes that He-Man has escaped his clutches. You see him go freaking nuts. Mm -hmm. And this is a major step up from Skeletor from the cartoons. Because yeah, Skeletor a, from the cartoons would be... Yeah! <laughs> <He's> no! <laughs> yeah! He's a melodramatic yeah. this, villain. This is freaking... You know, this is Frank Langella, and he's yeah. like... Ah! And he's when he says pissed. silence, you shut up. Yeah. 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 So now he organizes through Evelyn, and of course this is Meg Foster, Evelyn. So she's yeah. sexy, she's scary, she's somebody that Looks little boy me is like, I'm feeling feelings that I don't understand. <laughs> Mostly fear, uh, but because yeah. I'm scared, but I'm also she's tingly in my pants. <laughs> Watch out, young people. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so she organizes these this group of bad guys to go hunt down He-Man, and now I'm like, oh, rock on, because we're gonna get rid of these weird stormtrooper guys. Now we're gonna see some good bad guys. Yeah, we're gonna see the guys from the cartoons. Let's and see this. We get this lineup that is a total blatant borrowing ripoff. 
of the uh, bounty right. hunter scene right. from yeah. But it even has the robot guy. But from who do we get? Do we get yeah. Merman? No. Do we get Trapjaw? No. Do we get Webster? No. We get a whole bunch of people I've never seen before. I have no idea who they are. And Beastman, yeah. who doesn't even look like Beastman. Exactly. In I fact, one of them is like the the Lando Calrissian's robot butler from yeah. Empire Strikes Back <laughs> decided to go goth and have a whip. Like that's that's literally his costume oh. and who it is. It's just this random bald guy with a whip. And he's my favorite one of them. His his name's Blade. And yeah, he's got blades sticking out of everywhere. But he never uses them. And he's got like the the patch. And he has my all time favorite scene. It's after they failed the first time. Skeletor basically he kills like the little lizard guy. Yeah. And he orders them not to fail again. And he does this bow, and it's so hilarious because he does this little, like, weird, touches his forehead, bows thing. It is hilarious. You have got to watch that scene. I'm going to have to go back and watch this. You've got to watch that scene because he, talk about overacting. <laughs> this is a guy who knows he's in a B-movie. He is a B-movie actor. I can't remember his name. But he's only done like little bit parts because he he is a swordsman. I think he did some of the sword fight choreography. Yeah, he's a his name's Anthony DeLongis. Yes, uh, he's he's in well he's done a lot of things. He's the whip master for a lot of the Indiana yeah. Jones films. And anytime so, you need stuff so he, like that, he's he's not really an actor, but he is kind of a stunty, and he's done a lot of action stuff. So he he knows his thing. But he's not really a guy you put in front of the camera as an actor. <laughs> not so much. But he's he's now an actor, and he's getting to do lines, and you get to see his face, and he's you know getting to be an actor, and he's taking that chance and <laughs> running with it, man. So he's gonna go, and he's getting to act with Frank Langella, and he's getting to do stuff, and so, so he, he gives Frank Langella the the the. The respect he deserves. Oh yeah. So man, he he does that bow thing, and I laugh my head off every freaking time I see that scene. Oh my crap. Well, but anyway. Yeah. So yeah, we, we get a whole bunch of freaking characters we've never seen before, and I'm like, not even good characters. Yeah, not even. That's the thing. Like, if you're yeah. gonna make your own, try and make them cool. Yeah. Even if they're not gonna be cheap, we know they're gonna be cheap by this yeah. point. But make them cool. Well, and then that gets me to my other problem is He-Man, like you said, doesn't even freaking look like He-Man. He's muscular, and yeah. he's Dolph Lundgren, and he's but blonde, but it's not... His armor doesn't yeah. look like He-Man. He doesn't have the... It's cross... like the concept art for Star Wars, or something. Duncan, yeah. Tila, they don't look like yeah. Duncan or Tila. And the, uh, they're not, not that even their really costumes Duncan are necessarily bad exactly and quite frankly they kind of look a bit more realistic yeah but they they don't look anything like duncan or tila um, which which goes with our theme today of adaptation yeah they're they're taking character ish designs and kind of bringing them in but so not really it's kind of basically like somebody went to the 
production designers and said, hey, we're going to be doing Masters of the Universe. Here are their character names. And he went, oh, okay, so I'm going to do a guy named Man-at-Arms. His real name's Duncan. Here's a character. Oh, okay. Let's that looks great. That. Can we get rid of some of the stuff to save on cost? Yeah. Excellent. We'll roll around with it. And Ooh. so then by the end of the moon, you've got the... A bald guy from Back to the Future who gets a shotgun <laughs> and he he goes freaking ape shit and <laughs> blasts away a whole bunch of uh, stormtroopers and you know this is a movie about the masters of the universe and a guy who isn't even a masters of the universe is kicking ass and becomes and doesn't he become king no he doesn't become king he's but like, he becomes like a nobleman on a turn yeah he's like some royal guy yeah that's the thing though like that's that's where the movie goes. Yeah. Like essentially, in this Earth section, they're hiding out from the forces of Skeletor until one of the the Courtney Cox, who's our female yeah. lead, she has a boyfriend who thinks it's like some cool synthesizer yeah. for his band. He hooks it up and he plays it. Well, that then alerts all the bounty hunters and everyone yeah. to where they are. So they come, they capture him and her and yeah. all these different things and. And it's so it's, very much an 80s. Which, it is, you know, because... The, isn't a bad thing, necessarily? Not but. necessarily, but, like, Courtney Cox's character, she's an orphan because her parents died in a crash when she was younger, and she's feeling feelings, so they have to help her get the strength to do that, and they play yeah. on that. They capture her. For some reason, she's something important. I can't remember no. why she's important. But they capture her, take her to Eternia to force He-Man... And them to come back. Oh, they uh, zap her with... Oh, even Lynn zaps her with... Or no, it's Skeletor that zaps her with uh, dark magic. Yeah. So only the sorceress can uh, save gonna, her. We're going to pause for a second. All it right, is, anyway. It is classic, man. <laughs> we were just trying to find the scene where he was bowing, so that was a little pause there. Well, it, but that's the movie. Like, seriously. Yeah. That's what it adapts to, is them going in. They come back to Eternia... Then they're back in the throne room. He has his epic fight with yep. Skeletor. Yep. Beats him. Because Skeletor absorbs the powers of the sorceress. Yep. He becomes this giant golden... Aztec god-looking god thing. Mixed with Tibetan... Uh, who knows? I, Krishnu, I don't know <laughs> what he looks like. He just is a giant gold-armored guy. Yep. Who has a sword... staff? His staff versus He-Man's sword. Yep. They have a battle, sparks fly, He-Man wins, because he has the, the power. power! And, yeah. yeah. It's Courtney Cox gets thrust back to her Earth, but it's in the past, so she's able to save her, save her family parents. and change the future, I guess. And mm, so we... Whatever. And happy endings until the post-credits. One of the first movies that has a post-credits post scene, scene. Yep. Skeletor's head comes up above the water where yep. he fell in and which you didn't know was down there because it's a it's an emperor thing where he but falls down the shaft you don't they were gonna have like three sequels man and make a spider-man movie and all sorts yeah of things. the same carol i think it's carol co something like that was the canon canon yeah that was a in golden globus yeah they were known for cheap films oh yeah but that was that was the adaptation for he-man yep that we got and you know, the we, we, it, right off the bat, <laughs> but that—that's kind of it. Like that's what our example of a bad adaptation would be yep. in every regard. Um, what would be a good one? 
What's a good adaptation so where we if say they, if they're going to make this new film? Yeah, how would they do it? Because I've heard a lot of people say that Masters of the Universe, as it was, like the cartoon and the toy line and everything, is literally unfilmable. It kind of is, though. Because it, if you think about it, their argument is that you've got this fantasy world with swords and magic, but it's also just as much sci-fi. Even more so than, like, Star Wars. Because Star Wars is very science fiction with a light sprinkling of fantasy kind of as its spine. Which is weird considering, like, it's only sci-fi in the fact that it takes place in space and has spaceships. Yeah. And aliens. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of much more emphasizing the science fiction elements now with, like, Rogue One and, and yeah, Solo, true. They're that taking, kind of stuff. taking away the It's others. only really fantasy with the Skywalker saga, as, as they want to say. Yeah. But, you know, it's still very much a science fiction-y universe with just kind of fantasy elements interdisposed because they've got the wizards and the, the knights and all that kind of stuff. But this is a very fantasy world. It's got magic, it's got sword fights, it's got all that kind of stuff, but then it's also got all of this science fiction-y stuff smushed in. So, you know, what are you going to do? Well, I think it, it comes down to characters, too, though. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, in uh, comparing it, because now we have to with covering Masters of the Universe, yeah. to Star Wars, Star Wars has characters that people can relate to. Oh, yeah. You know, Luke Skywalker is a farm boy. He comes mm -hmm. from a podunk place, and he has aspirations to be bigger. So, mm -hmm. you know, everyone relates to that hero. Well, it's uh, the coming from nothing and Yeah, coming from nothing and going there. He-Man... It doesn't quite lend itself to that because, yeah, in it depends on which version it is. Yeah. He's either a weak prince who takes the sword and becomes the He-Man that we know. Mm -hmm. Or, in the case of the cartoon, he's just a muscular version of He-Man that wears clothes but is inept <laughs> versus the He-Man that's masterful and blah, 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 yeah. and is He-Man. Yeah. Skeleton... I think, here's what I think the film got right for Masters of the Universe. Skeletor, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, oh yeah. Better version of Skeletor. Yeah, he dressed like the Emperor, and he had a terrible rubber mask as his face, but Frank Langella, his voice put embodiment to that that made him one of the standout oh yeah. villains of the 80s sci-fi period. Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on. You, you couldn't do better than that. He-Man, who would you get? For an adaptation of He-Man yeah. today, like uh, no yeah. one would, re you'd have to pick somebody who would make themselves fit. Yeah, the physical criteria. I mean, Saturday Night Live uh, a few years ago had Chris Pratt hosting, and they did a sketch where the He-Man toy came to life, and he was He-Man. Yeah, I was like, well, physically, he fits that bill. He looks like it, yeah. but I'm not sure I would do Chris Pratt as He-Man. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I like him, but. Because you'd, you'd need someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the f days when he was yeah. that fit. If you're going to go full physical look. Yeah. But I but. mean, if you're going to do it, like, <laughs> I'm the master of the universe, you know. <laughs> I have the power. It's all goes in you now. <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah. it just... It, that doesn't really work. It doesn't. 
Because you oh. notice all of his early films were quiet. <laughs> there was a reason for that. Yeah. And why the Terminator only spoke so often. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it, it's, I would say, in terms of straight adaptation, no, you could not. Yeah. In straight out, you would have to play around it. Better than they played with around oh, yeah. it in the 80s. But you would, you would definitely have to tweak it and change yeah, oh, it yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. You would have to get an actor who could fit the physical role. You don't have to have bodybuilder, yeah. but someone who looks like a warrior. Mm-hmm. I think Dolph Rundgren type would be probably best. Yeah, he wasn't like overly huge. No, but he was muscular and toned, and mm-hmm. he physically looked like he could battle yeah. people. I... Maybe someone with a little bit more acting chops. I know, he's good, but he's not. <laughs> he's not well, the Academy the, Award winning. The only reason they got him was because he just had done Rocky Four, and you know people knew him. Yeah, that was the the whole reason they cast him. So, which you know, and if you can get Ivan a, Drago in your movie, why not? And he had to go through extensive voice acting, and he had it in his contract that he had to be able to do his lines three times before they would uh, finalize it hmm. because of his. Uh, thick sweetest action so which makes sense yeah because it kind of comes across well yeah you know he's yeah. a lot better now good journey good journey <laughs> you i have the power the yeah. power. He, he did a good job I, i'll grant him but i mean uh no <laughs> so basically well, and, what and, we're saying is not another Dolph Lundgren. and uh, can i just also interject the whole like flying disc chase scene they have in that movie <laughs> That is a again a blatant borrowing of Back of to the, the Future. Well, the not the Back to the Future of uh, Return of the Jedi and their um, uh, speeder bike. Scene. Oh yeah, well, well, yeah. It, it, it's not like a, it was a, like the speeder bike and Back to the Future well, decided. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna take the hoverboards and really yeah. go with this here. But I mean, but like they were basically saying, you know. Flying, hovering things are really cool right now. <laughs> How can we rip that off? We'll just have these guys shooting at each other while they fly towards each other on these hover discs. And, you know, Dolph Lundgren in that scene, because he's fighting against two um, robots, mm-hmm. stormtroopers, And but he's got his sword in one hand and he's got his little p- pistol, and you can see him basically fiddling with them. Like, he's jiggling his pistol, and I'm like, yeah, you can tell that he is just not comfortable at all in this scene. It's well, let's be honest. That you're t- having this sci-fi battle on the streets of L.A. Yeah. or something and like that, it's uh. it's. At some point, you stop and ask yourself, "What am I making right now? <laughs> like, what movie is this? Yeah. Is this a weird version of Mad Max where yeah. L.A. is dystopian and we're all?" Uh, and not in on the joke. I don't know. And that's another thing about that royally bugs me about this movie. And again, as a little kid, um, Skeletor invades the town at one point in this really huge ship with his whole army. Yeah, and the town is dead. Yeah, there's no one, no one in this it. town in L.A. In like this, what wherever they are, suburb, you know, whatever, where, wherever is. they are. And and it's not like it's quiet. No, there's light shows. It's a giant portal. There's it's a freaking wind blowing. There's, there's two guys zipping around on these hover disc things, 
there's a whole battle going on in a major shop with guys with yeah. He-Man laser guns going off. As if reality wasn't suspended yeah. enough. We now have to believe that the whole town is not reacting to this. Right in the middle of freaking downtown, you've got wormholes and you yeah. know, all of this stuff going on with the cops, with everything going on, and no one reacts because the whole freaking town is dead. Yeah. So, unless you can convince me at some point there's a deleted scene that Evelyn casts a spell over the whole town just to make them fall asleep. I I call BS. But you know, I, I digress. Yeah, uh, well, we're done. It, we're done crapping all over. Well, it, the, the it's movie. still talking about adaptation because that's a good point. Because if somebody does adapt something, yeah, at least in Eternia, where the bulk of the fighting would take place, it makes sense if people weren't there because well, yeah. maybe it's a captured town. Or yeah, something. But when you're in whatever suburb they were. And you're gonna Any say we're gonna put it. Say. We're gonna transcribe this whole event to this place. Yeah, there's got to be some form of reality there where something. somebody reacts to something. Yeah. I mean, all we get is the principal coming yeah. in. He's the only one who reacts to this. With like five guys. And isn't he, I mean, he's a detective in this. Yeah, and that's what he why he comes in because of a disturbance and yeah. all these things, and he keeps finding murdered people by the. <laughs> It, it, it's, it doesn't make it's any freaking not sense. Not at all. And that's rule number one of adaptation. Makes sense. Yeah. If you're going to change it, makes sense. Yeah, if it's exactly. going to, you're going to do something, at least have the audience be able to follow along with you. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, right. so in terms of the forthcoming one, I'm not so sure they could. I'm not so sure that audiences yeah. today would be able to understand something <laughs> from 1984, whatever it was when it yeah, came out. Earlier than that. I think 82. 82? I think. I don't know. Either way, because back then you could just say, oh, this is cool, and yeah. get away with it. It oh, didn't yeah. have to make sense. Like, oh, no. You know, man-at-arms, he's got armor, he's got these cool... It's it, You made sense. You're like, this is my new favorite character. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Nowadays, you have to have, like, backstories oh, yeah. and makes the whole thing. And it, I don't think it would work. Not for today's audiences. And plus, let's be honest, fandoms today with things that are getting treated from the childhood don't go over so well <laughs> with, uh, with a lot of people. So, well, and I don't know. How would you adapt it, Mike? Like, well... I don't know if I'd adapt it for a movie, but I would certainly get a new TV series. Would you animate it, or would it be? Uh, it depends, mm -hmm. because you know you've got Game of Thrones ending, but then there's like three or four new fantasy TV series up and running. One of which I'm personally really hopeful for, which is the Wheel of Time series, because mm -hmm. that was like my hugely favorite book series when I was a teenager. But then they've also got the Lord of the Rings TV series, which is, I have to admit, probably way more going to be popular. So, you know, all of these people are going to be contending for the Iron Throne, shall we say. So, you know, you've got a lot of different fantasy availability out there. So, if you did it right, you could easily have a new cartoon series. They've got the She-Ra out there right now yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> i just not that i have anything against she-ra i hate the animation style they use yeah it's it's like what they did with the mickey mouse nowadays i'm just not yeah, on board I, with that i don't know why they they can't just animate it like they used to 
But like they brought Voltron back, and that was huge. Yeah. And they brought back Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and some of the other old 80s properties, so they could easily bring back another one, the granddaddy of them all. So, yeah, it would not be hard. But if you were going to bring back He-Man, it's going to be mega budget. Yeah. Because... And this is one thing that I, I greatly missed from the, the movie, was Battle Cat. Mm. He is an awesome character. Yeah. He's half dragon. That's why he's green. Yeah, you, that would if, be pretty doggone cool to see. Yeah. If they can make Aquaman... Yeah. Like, and have it work, they can make a He-Man and have it work too, I think. Yeah, even though the reality of riding a cat, a, a large predatory cat into battle doesn't really work because predator animals don't. If they can make Orlando Bloom a viable <laughs> action star in the Lord of the Rings franchise and ride an elephant, like jump well, on an elephant, jump over a horse. Well, I'm just talking about the sheer... They can make a, somebody ride a green, <laughs> I know. green well, maybe tiger. The fact that he's half dragon makes them, his spine work so that you can actually ride him into... Well, whatever. Whatever He's, whatever he's got is. a saddle. <laughs> but... <laughs> But you know the fact that you've got this this freaking awesome animal this, to watch Battle Cat in action that would be freaking cool, man. There you go. But you know there, there's a lot of things that you'd have to change, like what you were saying, because uh, some of the things that we thought were perfectly fine back in the '80s haven't translated well since then. And my chief example of that is. The Masters of the Universe that uh, supposedly is Master or Man at Arms' older brother, Fisto. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Fisto. Who may I remind you? His power was the fact that he had a bionic arm, his right arm, which was a giant fist <laughs> that he used to punch people. But. Yeah. Use use your imagination yeah. for why that would not fly. I'm just today. I'm just That's gonna say just thrown out. Well, so, even and I, I still have the action figure. I, I got that he was a later edition, but it's a giant metal fist that you could pull back and, and he would just punch bam. things and you know you Toys twist so his wrist better. and you know and twist his waist so you could punch big yeah cups I just did and, that whole little psh. oh yeah so but his whole deal was he was originally a bad guy and then in the cartoon series. There was a whole episode devoted to him because he was a bully picking on these little uh, munchkin-type characters on that lived on Eternia. And then He-Man met this these people, and they pleaded with him to please take care of their bully. And He-Man, of course, met Fisto, who, because of his bionic arm, was almost as strong as He-Man. And then, of course, they had their whole confrontation and... I don't remember how specifically, but He-Man convinced Fisto of his evil ways. And Fisto realized being a bully is wrong, and so he became a good guy by the end of the episode. And then, of course, they had their little PSA where... Bullying. Bullying is wrong. Yeah. If you were... Being a bully That's something be. they need to bring back and from that's the, the That's the thing. That's the, the PSAs the, after everything. Like, what you just the, saw was... That was the, the major problem with the, the post credit scene is Skeletor should have popped up at the very end and then said, you know, I learned a lesson today. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Would have made the G.I. Joe movie so much better <laughs> if they had come back and just come out and said, hey, now you know. 
knowing no, half, half the battle. G.I. Joe! <laughs> Come on. Uh, uh, Opportunities missed. Exactly. Adaptations, get it right. Ad- right. Adapt the things we want. <laughs> PSAs. PSAs <laughs> but, um... So I'm I'm just saying that there's some of these characters and there's some of the ways that they work that just kind of don't work anymore. They don't. Not so much. Which is a shame because some of them were really cool, but they definitely wouldn't fly. No. And, you know, 80s. What can we say about the 80s, guys? We're older. We we lived it. But they were a little more innocent while being a little more rough. We didn't have access to all the stuff that evil in. Like, the whole reason that her name is a pun, it's still kind of funny, it's still kind of cool, but her name's a pun. Yeah. So, you know, hi, I'm Nasty Ness. (laughs) Nasty Nessa. Yeah. Well, let's be honest, like, if we were going to, that's where the Star Wars names come from. Well, yeah. Here are 70s and 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Kit Fisto, Salacious Mace Windu, Crumb. yeah, I Salacious mean. Crumb. I mean, come on, those are kids love that stuff. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, it, it can kind of work, but some of them are a little more problematic than the others. As, so and they wouldn't translate. Yeah. That's true. So we'll 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 end this one with a final thought here with this selection adapt, adaptation. We'll come up with a cool name for this one. This, this section of things, because I think we can talk about adaptations of different things forever. Oh, sure. But He-Man, Masters of the Universe, in its current form for me, could not be adapted to a, a worthwhile film, would have to be tweaked. What do you think, Mike? Final thought on um, I think my concern would be to make it a film, you'd have to tweak it so far that you might get it so far from the original material that it's not Masters of the Universe anymore. Which is true. Which is kind of sad. Then why even adapt it? Exactly. So we'll leave that thought with you. If you can't Mm -hmm. make it what it is and why people love it, don't adapt it. Yep. That's, especially with Masters of the Universe. That'd be a hard one, but it definitely would not become why we know it's and love it as it is. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on um, with Mike and Cam here on this episode, Mostly Off-Center Adaptation. We're going to talk to you some more. We'll get some more going here. What do you guys think is something we should talk about? What is something you think is a good adaptation, not a good adaptation, or has been, and you could you could think of ways to make it better? Let us know. Go over to Mostly Off Center. Find us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and listen to our podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. See ya.